daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Привет и добро позалват в The Sandler Pit. Sorry, we, we seem to be having some technical difficulties there. What I meant to say was, hello and welcome to The Sandler Pit, the podcast where true bravery is being kind, even to those who are being cruel to you. Oh, God. Some faux trying to be kind bullshit. It sounds like Mr. Deeds. Nice. Hubie Halloween. Because it was <sighs> Halloween last week. <laughs> in between these podcasts going out we're not doing specials anymore we don't have time for it <laughs> we don't have time we need to get we need to crack on you might be wondering why was luke terry speaking in russian at the start of this podcast that is because we've had the wonderful news that we are in the top 250 russian comedy podcasts <laughs> where did we place so it only lasted for a day of us being the top 245th podcast on the comedy <laughs> chart in, on Apple Podcasts in Russia. In Russia, yeah. So I want to say a huge spasibo from me and Luke to all six of our Russian listeners that have helped us reach this milestone. Do you have anyone you want to thank, Luke? Yet. Uh, <laughs> I have no clue who's listening to our podcast in Russia, right? A podcast is a big thing in Russia, do you think? If we have managed to crack the coveted top 250 podcast from maybe one or two listeners, then they must not be popular at all. Such a big country, too. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of room there, isn't there? But still, thank you uh, to all our Russian listeners. Uh, thank you to our Russian listener. We really have one you. listener. <laughs> so I'm Luke. This is also Luke, and this is the Sandler Pit podcast where we watch and talk about every single Adam Sandler appearance or TV show or film or times has appeared as a small capuchin monkey in a really shit Kevin James film. What are we doing today, Luke? We are revisiting Adam Sandler's award-worthy push in the film Uncut Gems, or Uncut Jim, mm. I think you called it last week. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be re-watching Uncut Gems. Both of us have seen this before. I watched it at the cinema. Did you see it at the cinema? Nah. I don't think it uh, showed... It wasn't like on at Odeons and Cineworlds and stuff like that, was it? It was yeah. one you'd have to go... Like, for me, I'd have to have gone into London. You're not getting that in, in Essex, I don't think. I watched it at the Curzon in Sheffield, and I was sat in the cinema screen alone. I think... I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing something in town, and I was waiting for a train. So I thought, I'm going to watch Uncut Gems in between and I was sat and it was like t- midday and there was like no one in the cinema it was like two people and then this these two little old people walked in this old man this old lady they're like proper Yorkshire old people they had like a flat cap on they looked ridiculous and they came and walked in sat right next to me and they're talking and there's the scene where the woman's like masturbating on the settee <laughs> and the old man turns around to me and says is this 1917 <laughs> <laughs> no he didn't and I was like he did and I went no mate <laughs> some good gems and then they went and left <laughs> so funny <laughs> you loved this film I remember I... you going on about it all the time oh it's such a good bloody film it's so good all this <laughs> Right, good that. I think you said that a few times. Right, good that. <laughs> it's right, good. Yeah, I love this film. Before this, I'd say I 
I didn't like Adam Sandler at all. I never watched any of his films. I think I'd seen Big Daddy and a couple of his comedy films, but I barely remembered them. And then I saw this uh, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's, there's something about him. He's a really good actor. And because of this was why I would agree to watch Happy Gilmore and Grown Ups with you. And then in turn lead to us having done 50 episodes of this shit. Yeah. yeah so this I, film I really set off a it. chain reaction that ended up with you watching the film Coneheads. Yeah, if it wasn't for this, like watching that film in the Curzon that day, I would never have seen the film Coneheads. <laughs> what could have been? So you were saying in last week's that you didn't really care for this, right? Yeah, I just didn't gel with it for some reason. There was a lot of factors. Like, I, as I said in that episode, I was like knackered when I watched the film at home on Netflix and stuff, which is never... I don't think it's ever the best way to watch a film for the first time, especially not one that's like quite serious and whatever. Because like, I mean, it's a two hour and 15 minute long film. I remember the same sort of time I watched The Irishman and had like a similar experience where I was like pausing it a lot and going to make a tea and stuff. And I think it took multiple days to watch The Irishman for me. It took yeah. so long. Like I had to keep pausing it and stopping. The only time I've had that, have you ever seen the film uh, Good Burger with Keenan and Kel? I haven't. That film is so fucking shit. It took me a week to finish it. I just kept watching it going 10 back minutes. To it? So I was like, there must be something about this film. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to finish it. And then I would watch it. And I'd just get so angry at how rubbish it was that I'd kept turning it off. But I kept, God, I need to finish it. I watched The Irishman on New Year's Day. And <laughs> we were both really hung over watching it. And I remember it took me six hours to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made dinner halfway through it or something. I was like, oh, it'll still be there when I come back. And it was. It's not a bad film, though, is it, The Irishman? Like, no. I, I don't like the bits where he's pretending to be like a young 20-year-old and he can barely move. Yeah. And he tries to like throw that gun in the river. I think he shuts, <laughs> so uh, he shuts the back door of a lorry or a truck. And uh, it kind of like hobbles so down off of the step. And it looks like if, you, if your granddad did some DIY for you. <laughs> <laughs> but Al Pacino is great in that. And uh, so's the guy from This Is England that I never remember his name. Stephen Graham. He's like, yeah, he's he's one of the best actors going. Like, he's so a, good he's a good guy. But yeah, so anyway, back to Uncut Gems. Like, it was a it was yeah. a good year for films. Like, as we say, Irishman and um, right, yeah. I think that was the same. Little year, Women, Little Women, yeah, yeah, the Irishman, Little Women, Parasite, The Lighthouse, nineteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. Good films all round then at that time. Of- Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Another good one. Avengers Endgame. But yeah, Uncut Gems, even though all these great films came out, this was a highlight for me, I think. It's like, the, and, uh, I think the last time we've had like a year of like stellar, all round great films mm. because of the pandemic, obviously, like a lot yeah. of films have been sort of pushed back or pushed to streaming services and you kind of miss them a little bit. And uh, it was a good year to go out on. We were like spoiled for choice. And yeah, Uncut Gems was... It, it didn't stand out to me. Yeah, I find it crazy that Sandler didn't get an Oscar nomination for this, though. Like, Did he not even get a, nom- a nomination? No, he didn't get a nomination. And Joaquin Phoenix won it for Joker. And I fucking hate Joker. I think that he's not even that good in it. No, nah, it is a good performance. Yeah, I'm saying it now. The shit film, shit performance. It's that is good. crap. It is, it is a good Jared movie. Leto was better. I, <laughs> oh, no, he wasn't. I think, no, wasn't. like, at the moment... I haven't watched back Uncut Gems yet, but at the moment I would say I prefer Joker to Uncut Gems. Oh, what a horrible thing to say. They're quite similar, aren't they? Quite similar. But I'm going to say now, Adam Sandler would have been a better Joker than Joaquin. He's Mm. really good at playing these crazy, untapped, 
characters that are just the his performance in this is unbelievable like his desperate cloying at like he's got this horrible addiction he's sympathetic but he's just the worst guy ever and i think that i don't think anyone could do this performance better than him no one i'm sure there's someone out there that could <laughs> it is a good performance though you're right i wouldn't say sympathetic or likable though in the slightest i hate you doing in this film from what i can remember there's moments though of where you would feel sympathy for him because he's that pathetic a character and he's just so addicted to this awful lifestyle he's wanking in the cupboard in one part isn't he <laughs> you're gonna do that bullshit again that you did when we watched punch drunk love where i said i sympathize with the guy and then you just list all the awful things he does and then you act like it's something i like to do like i like to <laughs> fucking smash women's heads in and wank in cupboards and fight the weekend <laughs> i'm gonna edit this out of context do you really you like to smash women's heads in why would oh, you say that god. oh god here we did you just say Coolsville here. sucks you got me <laughs> i can't do this shit to me out of almost all of the films that we're watching in this, this is probably the one I'm most like excited to revisit because I am hoping to get something new out of it. And I'm hoping that I like it more this time around because like, I can acknowledge that it is a good film. It just didn't work for me when I first watched it, but hopefully this time yeah. around it will. And yeah, it's going to be good after watching like fucking Coneheads. And that's my boy is the last Adam Sandler led film we've watched. And even though we found it funny and whatever, like that is not a testament to saying no. that Adam Sandler deserves to be in movies, is it? <laughs> no, that's very true. And I'm really excited to watch it because now with the hindsight of watching 50 other of his films, like I'm wondering if it'll be a bit of a different experience. Will I see more of his comedy performance rather than a dramatic performance? He might ruin it. Yeah, could you imagine? Like, why isn't he doing (laughs) fart jokes and singing? Why doesn't everyone love him? Where's Bobby Boucher? (laughs) Why is he doing an almost normal voice? Actually, I think he's got a horrible voice in this, to be fair, hasn't he? He has a bit of a horrible voice, but it's kind of nuanced. It's really good. So as always, when we watch these films, we have something called the Sandler Scale, which is a list of tropes that appear in all of Adam Sandler films, like a logo on screen, a beautiful love interest. Surprise Um, cameo. Do you think it's going to hit heavy on tropes? I don't really remember. I reckon there might be a couple, because when these directors use... Adam Sandler in a film like Punch Drunk Love like you mentioned that is usually because they're kind of a fan of what he does Mm. even though they're like classed as like prestige directors or whatever I think they have like a soft spot for Adam Sandler and his history and stuff so they kind of do make him do some of those types Mm. of things having said that I don't think we're going to get Rob Schneider as like a Mexican gangster or anything like that thank god but yeah I, I think that this character I think what makes it kind of work and the same with Punch Drunk Love it's like imagine a Adam Sandler comedy character but in the real world like this kind of lunatic can't live the same as punch drunk love this manic really angry guy that you'd see in happy gilmore that guy can't exist they would just be like socially ostracized yeah i'm excited to revisit no sandler game this week very light on the sandler games because instead we're going to be doing uh make mine madison I'm do i explain it's sort of a game that we play when we watch films that are slightly more serious than a happy madison film which is usually like those are the films where something outlandish seems to happen every three minutes and whatever so we'll try and rewrite this film so we'll make our own version of uncut gems we'll turn the art house into fart house make the highbrow lowbrow <laughs> make everyone feel sick <laughs> is this the final serious sandler bulletproof i think like a buddy comedy but maybe a bit serious so this might be the the final until we see a uh, spaceman of bohemia until we find or, out uh, whether hustle's a comedy or not is it going to be a comedy i don't i just can't tell 
I'm not 100% to be honest. I hope it's a drama to be honest. It looks interesting enough to be a good drama. Kind of want it. Fuck, I don't even remember this film. Grab your blood diamonds and your shit jewelry. All those jewels and uh, come join us to watch Uncut Gems. Yep, grab a diamond encrusted Furby. That's something that stood out (laughs) in this. Oh, that'll be what I'll have to fucking draw, won't it? Sandler pit. Like, this is my fucking way. This is how I win. And we are back. We have uncut our gems. We've <laughs> we've watched the film <laughs> Uncut Gems. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything, does it? We've uncut our gems. <laughs> we've uncut our gems is a really good line. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, we're back. We've watched the film on Netflix, which is a real luxury after having to pay to watch the film Coneheads. Mm. Right, Luke, what is the plot of Uncut Gems? Uh, So Uncut Gems follows a guy called uh, Howard Ratner, who's a gambling addict. And I think, it is it 2012 this is set? Yeah, yes, period piece. I was going to say, there's not enough... I like period pieces that are set in the slightly, like, near past. Mm. I love that. But anyway, so it's set in 2012, and he's a gambling addict, and he's just bought an Ethiopian diamond or uncut, uncut gem. Mm-hmm. from Ethiopia and then it's just after that it's just an unraveling of his life this kind of nightmare existence that he lives where he's just constantly been shouted at and punched and yelled at by different people that he owes money to and him trying to keep it all together by trying to make bets and slowly getting a few wins and then losing and then winning and then losing and it's just pretty much that for two hours what do you think of Uncut Gems on rewatch so yeah, the first time I watched it was when it first came out, like two years ago or whatever it is now. Mm. And I didn't like it. And all I could really remember was just him walking around New York, like busy streets and shouting and losing money and stuff. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. But yeah, this time revisiting it, I must have just been in a better frame of mind or something because I really liked it this time, oh, which gosh. I was really relieved about. <laughs> I still think that it's like quite a, it's a bit of a difficult watch. It's not a film I would have like really thought I'd have gone back to, but I'm I'm quite glad I did to be fair. And I watched it on my own. It was kind of nice to just have like your own like headspace with it because there are the odd scene when you're a bit like, oh God, this is getting a bit like bit much now of just him arguing with people and everyone just shouting and shit. Like I think most of the bits in the shop are kind of like that. Mm. quite intense and like overwhelming but there's points where you're kind of like where's this actually going and it's all quite naturalistic it does feel like you're in like a busy shop or whatever but yeah I I really liked it this time and there was whole chunks of the film that I think I think I think I might have mentioned it before that when I watched it originally I was working night shifts so like I was fucking knackered and it's not a film to watch when you're knackered because it's so like it's an exhausting watch isn't it so that was a bad recipe that's probably why I really didn't like it that time I didn't remember any of the stuff that happened around when he goes to watch his daughter's school play. And I think that might have been like my favourite sequence in this was that part because it's just so... It captures that character being a fucking idiot that he's at this school play and he can't just leave the fact that there's these two men that are after money. He can't just leave them to just watch him for two hours and watch this play. He has to go outside and fucking bite one on the arm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I loved that bit, like ending with him like naked in his, his car boot <laughs> and his ex-wife coming out to find him. I definitely enjoyed it a lot more this time. And 
I think it maybe could have been 10 minutes shorter, possibly. Two hours 15 is quite a lot for a film that just is constantly just with this one character. It is basically like a, a character study, isn't it, of this idiotic man. It was definitely a good watch and I'm glad that I, I went back to it and I could revise my opinion a little bit. How about you? Did you enjoy watching it again? Well, this is one that I, I love this film, but I really don't even like watching it. Like, it's just so horrible to watch because it's so stressful. Is it the scene in the shop where the buzzer's going and everyone's like smacking on the door and he's like hitting it with a hammer and everyone's talking and it's just, it's really, really overwhelming. I don't think I can think of a film that's done that or captures that feeling in such a way as this. But this is an amazing film. Uh, I loved it the first time I saw it. I loved it this time. I think Howard Ratner might be one of my favourite film characters. Like, I think it's such an interesting, horrible character. And But what I love is that it's, it's basically an Adam Sandler comedy character. Like, we do the Make Mine Madison. But Howard Ratner is a, an Adam Sandler character. Like, there's no version where it's more serious than he ever does usually he is a sleazy weird horrible character who's got an inexplicable love interest he yells and he's shouting he's just an adam sandler comedy character but what would it be like if this kind of awful nightmare of a person was interacting with the people and trying to get ahead in life and it's just a really really good film uh, and yeah on rewatches just as good as the last time yeah i think a similar film you'd compare it to i guess in in the ones we've watched is like another prestige type film would be punch drunk love and we said the same thing that it works nicely because that character was quite similar to like mr deeds and whatever with like the anger and shouting and shit but that film's kind of like in a weird dreamlike world isn't it even though yeah. it's a bit more grounded in some aspects it's also a superhero film apparently <laughs> so like um the fact that this one people react to him a bit more normally i would say I mean, there's it's in like a dark underbelly world where people are like kneecapping each other and dangling them out of windows and stuff. But the regular sort of people, they don't all like cheer and love him when he walks in a room. His family mm. kind of do because they've got that connection to him. But like his ex-wife and stuff. I mean, you could say that's similar to some other films we've watched because he's had like exes that have a go at him and stuff. But this actually feels real. Like the stakes behind it, it's not because she's leaving him for an old man or something like that. It's quite nice to see it in a grounded way and like the fact that these characters would never really survive in the real world, would they? Definitely if it was like a, a, in a comedy film, it be, should be leaving him for Rob Schneider's Mexican fucking what, like, what, like gardener. <laughs> yeah, he would a masseuse that's like changed the way that she thinks about her husband. Hola! <laughs> Hola, Mr. Randa. <laughs> He's like, oh, hi, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking guy he's here again that fucking guy stole my wife <laughs> it wouldn't be like that scene where he's like oh I'm, I'm gonna leave his girlfriend I wanna make it work kind of and then she's like I fucking hate you I hate looking at you I hate your stupid face and she's like laughing and he's like I don't like you I don't wanna yeah. be around you ever and he's like oh fuck fuck <laughs> so good I loved that bit yeah cause you kind of there's like a millisecond where Adina Menzel has like a bit of a smile on her face and you're a bit like oh my god does she actually believe in it cause people do believe he's shit a little bit cause he's just a massive bullshitter in this film when she turns out and it's just her being sarcastic like you look so fucking stupid right now whatever she says it's really good i think it's the best i've seen her in a film as well 
I can't think of anything I've seen her in live action except for this and um, Enchanted. Enchanted, yeah. Which similar, I, she's a similar character in Enchanted, actually. She's really very similar. <laughs> you know what? She has a really bad run in Enchanted because she doesn't do anything wrong and her stupid boyfriend leaves her for a magical princess. I mean, who wouldn't? It's a princess. But, but now. I, <laughs> no, I think she ends up with a Cyclops from X Men at the end. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she gets so. to live in a cartoon world, which is not the worst, is it? <laughs> Better than what happens here. David Spade and Coneheads is better than that. It's kind of similar to that, I suppose. <laughs> he ends up adrift in space forever. But yeah, do you know one of my first notes in this film was that I was looking at Adam Sandler's performance, the way he speaks and stuff. And I was thinking, his voice, a lot of people say you can only do one voice, don't they? Mm. I was thinking in this, his voice was quite different from a lot of these live action characters, except for one, Jill. He sounds like Jill in this film. And he sounds like Eleanor from Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, no. This is the bit in the trailer that you'll make where you'll put them both side by side and, <laughs> and do the voice thing. And then it'll be in the zoom in on my face or something <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I'm like, oh, go, go, go. <laughs> Only if you do the impression. Oh, go well, on. <laughs> go on. Oh, do God. Uh, I don't know how Jill sounds. It's been 50 episodes since then. <laughs> Yeah, true. Go I on, think she just it. sort of talks like that. Does she talk like that? <laughs> yeah, this is like if he was doing Jill, but he lowers the octave. And doing Jill as a, as a man as well. Yeah, um, it's because he's he's <clears throat> ramping up the fact that he's a Jewish man, isn't it? That's a big yeah, part definitely. Of I wrote in my notes that I think this is the first time that Judaism played a huge role in these films. But then I remember Eight Crazy Nights is literally about Hanukkah, but it is, I don't it think it isn't. is. No, yeah. it's not. So you see, like, what what's, what is that that they're doing uh, in this film? The the, the family, they, they're doing like a... There's ceremony. a day, isn't there? It's not... It might be Passover, but they use the Hebrew name for it. I can't remember. We're both not Jewish, and no. we're both stupid, and we don't... <laughs> we refuse to uh, research anything. We're not Jewish. But that doesn't stop me from celebrating a holiday! Ah, <laughs> uh, it's Passover, yeah. Oh, it is Passover. Okay, yeah. cool. So they have that big celebration and stuff. It was quite jarring to see like religion being portrayed like a bit authentically in one of these films, wasn't it? Totally. And was it his father-in-law in this? Is that the guy from Meirowitz stories or? Oh, I'm not sure. I didn't recognise him like straight away. I think, is it the artist who's Dustin Hoffman's friend? It could be. What's his, Judd Hirsch? I, I um, do recognise that name, but I don't know where from. Judd Hirsch was in Taxi. He was in Independence Day. He was in A Beautiful Mind. He was in Independence Day Resurgence. He was in The Muppets. He was in Meirowitz Stories. Yes! Come on. Oh, you got it. Oh, nice. He's in The Muppets as himself. I don't remember that. But so much is in The Muppets, isn't it? I like that scene where uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Selena Gomez and the fat kid from Modern Family all show up. And then Kermit the Frog's like, oh, look who's here, Selena Gomez? (laughs) And and you... (laughs) Like points to the little kid from Modern Family because he knows his name. <laughs> what a film. How good, good film. would this film be with Muppets in it? That'd be really good. You know when people <laughs> say, like, imagine if you changed, you kept one actor and everyone else turned into Muppets. Imagine if it was Adam Sandler and everyone else was Muppets in this film. <laughs> right, that's it. I'm crossing out. That's my make my master. He's getting <laughs> dangled out of the window by, like, Fuzzy Bear and that one that looks like a fucking <laughs> dragon. Um, I told you... Uh... <laughs> He told you, Howard, if you don't give me my money by sundown, one of you is going to be one dead motherfucker. 
would Miss Piggy be his ex girlfriend or his current girlfriend? Oh no, because if it's the current one, she is masturbating. Miss Piggy plays his ex wife, then in the Moopits version, <laughs> Miss Piggy plays the new girlfriend. What are you doing? <laughs> I got a tattoo, Howie. <laughs> I can't believe how much we've gone off rails on this film. That's like a, a uh, good film. It's we'll come back good to film this. had in weeks. We'll come back to this later. <laughs> I'll make mine Madison. I'm changing my pitch. Make mine Muppet-ish. Make mine Muppets. <laughs> so good. Uh, so the film, it starts on like a, it opens in the gem itself, doesn't it? It kind of drifts through this like um weird, like all these weird colours and Reminds me of the start, this is weird, but like The Exorcist. You know how that starts in like Egypt and everyone yeah. forget. I think, I don't think everyone forgets it, but like it's easy to forget that it randomly starts in the desert because the rest of the film's set in like one really specific location really, isn't it? New York. Yeah. In this. But yeah, it's quite cool to see that side of it. It does set up a good tone. It's nice to see another film starting with a flashback as well. Not as and good it's- as the flashback in That's My Boy. I think it's good as well because it adds a context of where this guy, like he's constantly thinking about this, about money and, and trying to build things, this empire for himself. Mm-hmm. But the, the the kind of where he's got it is from like this awful blood diamond industry that I don't know anything about. I'm not going to pretend I do, but it sounds no. fucking horrible. But it sets um, up like the danger and stuff as well, doesn't it? Because that gem is seen as being like a otherworldly thing through the whole film mm. isn't it technically and that's it, like it makes it seem like it's cursed from the start doesn't it it's like the one ring isn't it it's kind of a weird like fuck you laughing forged, at me because <laughs> it was forged in the darkness <laughs> no but i mean it like drives everyone who gets it they go kind of crazy whenever mm-hmm. they they find it including the real life basketball star kevin Kevin Garnett. Yeah, Kevin Garnett. I like that stuff, though, because I think the first time I saw it, I wasn't really thinking about this film too much. I was just kind of taking everything at face value. But like, as we said about the religious stuff, they're quite heavy on all the religious like imagery throughout the film. He sells a Jesus cross and stuff like that. I feel like that item and then the soundtrack being really like weird and spacey kind of, it does add like a weird element of fantasy to it, considering it is quite a, a grounded like New York film, isn't it? If you think about it, it's like, yeah, it's a grounded crime film, but it feels, like you say, like otherworldly and weird. And yeah, it's just everything kind of mixes together in this really nice way, which is, yeah. is awesome. And also a very weird way. So it goes from inside that gem. So like during the opening credits, it goes inside the seeing the colours. And then does it come out of Adam Sandler's arsehole? Yeah. It's like okay, going good. through like the, the time. <laughs> you either imagined it or it was real. <laughs> because they don't reference what he's had done to him at the start. Co- like, no, he's having a colonoscopy. He says his he, family have a history of liver cancer, I want to say, or something like that. Because then he says, oh, what is it with Jules and getting cancer? Or something like that. I was thinking as well when I was watching it, I was like, is he dying? Is that why he's so fucking fucked? It could, it like, could be. I think he gets like, his results though, doesn't he? It's just so much happens. Oh, never mind. Uh, because, yeah, you hear constant noise and it's kind of hard to, to notice. I did think like, oh, maybe that's something that maybe he's like dying and that's why he's so fucked. That's why he's, maybe he's just willing fucked. to risk everything. It doesn't need that though. I think it, it works just he's just an addict and his addictive personality is why he does it. Yeah. Just there's that great bit with 
Kevin Garnett when he finally gets the gem back and he's made this money and he's made the riches back and he could be fine. Mm. And then he's like, this is how we win. This is how we win. Fuck it. Let's just fucking, let's put this bet on. Fuck it. This is it. This is my game. This is how I'm going to do it. And it just ruins his own life. Yeah, there's so many times where you're like, this guy's actually quite good at what he does, but he's just Mm. never fucking satisfied, is he? A bit like me, uh, yeah. I'm kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Right, we're going to go into your <laughs> spiraling depression. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. It is funny though, because you find out as well quite late in the film that this thing that he wants to get a million for is rock. rock. The, what is it, a black opal? He, he's only spent, I say only, but he's spent 100k on it mm. and he's not happy with getting 180k or whatever it was at the auction because he wants to get a million for it he wants to get 10 times what he paid for it yeah and he could have settled probably all of his debts and stuff with just what the original sale was i think there's an interesting element there about race as well that's kind of just in the background here because kevin garnett's like you kind of used all these poor ethiopians and uh, yeah just, and he's like well fuck them like i that's you know how much 100k is over there and he's just like a real piece of shit i think that's what i like about this and it's kind of it's always weird that we're just using our reference points as sand the films but it's the same thing as with myowitz stories is like that it there's so much going on but none of it is like clearly outlined it's all just in like some of it might just be in throwaway lines of dialogue there's no like specific this film is about this is it's like just lots of subtext and stuff i like the fact that the subtext is just like you can interpret this a million different ways like i think like it could be about race it could be about addiction it could be about anything at the end it's just a good film like the subtext doesn't make it it's just good it's a it's a good watch what do you think of all the kind of side character actors in this I think they're good. I think there's a bit of the whole, because it's such a busy film, there is a bit of a blurring type thing going on where there's a lot of characters that are working similar jobs and like, Mm. you know how there's those bits where he's just walking through the streets and people are just like tapping him on the back and stuff. And there's a lot of times where you're like, is that guy this guy? Is that guy this guy? Because all the all the like diamond dealer people in that district all all kind of dress the same and look the same. And then there's all like, there's just groups of people, isn't there? That I think that's actually a good thing is that you just don't know who anyone is. And you're like, but there's always this sense of threats that like everyone who he interacts with wants to fucking hit him or beat Mm. him up or kill him and it's just like escalating but you don't even know who they are like there's like his brother-in-law who's in a gang Mm -hmm. with like some other guys and they suck and and then there's other people who want other things and then there's Lakeith Stanfeld who brings people to buy jewellery and watches off Howard and yeah he's like his fixer isn't he I I like that um I well I mean I don't know if I just missed the line of dialogue because as we say it's such a noisy film in those big scenes but I like that that Arno character who's the one who he owes the money to I like that that was his brother-in-law and I feel like did it get revealed straight away or did it not get revealed until the scene when they went for dinner Passover. Um, I felt like I didn't know that that was his brother-in-law until they were sat opposite each other at that table. I'm not sure because I, I already knew because I'd already seen it. I can't. I can't remember. Yeah. To be honest. Whereas I um, forgot. But yeah, that was that was good. That yeah, guy, that, he's, he does a good performance as well. That guy, he's quite like restrained for mm, most of it, but you can tell there's something going on like behind yeah. it all, I guess. And he's pissed off, but you can tell that he still doesn't want Howard to die. Like in like mm-hmm. at the at the end, like, spoiler when he gets shot in the face. He's really like, fuck, what did you fucking do? Like, why did you hit kill him? Yeah, I think he kind of falls for Howard's bullshit a little bit as well, doesn't he? He buys into it quite often. Like, you see him, like, in that dinner, uh, they're watching the basketball game. He's kind of basically taking notes, isn't he, on everything that Howard's mm. saying. 
that actor's i think he's good he's it's weird because i'm watching succession at the same time as this and he's not a big character in it but he's in it and he looks totally different apart from he's got quite like weirdly distinctive eyes he's got like big eyes but mm. in that he's like a politician who's really serious and like he's still like a villain force and stuff it was cool to see him in two really different roles in great things apparently he's a he's a historian as well something like a oh really he's an actor playwright monologist novelist and historian fair play what a cool fucking guy yeah he sounds good doesn't he he makes for a good villain i think what about lakeith stanford are you what do you think of him in this uh, yeah, I love Lakeith Stanfield. What's he in? He's in there. Uh, that Sorry to Bother You. He's so underrated. Yeah, that, that Sorry to Bother You is a good film, but it's kind of a bit uh, hard to watch now because Army Hammer's in that film playing like a lunatic, cocaine-addicted cannibal, and in real life, he's a cocaine-addicted cannibal. Apparently. <laughs> and, allegedly. But don't, don't you find it mad that he's a cannibal? <laughs> I always think about it. Like, I can't watch The Lone Ranger now because I'm like, oh, the Lone Ranger's a cannibal. Um, you watch The Lone Ranger? I don't know. So yeah, like Lakeith Stanfield in this. I feel like he's, the big films that he's in, he gets underused in. I think mm. this might be one of them. Like he's quite, he's good in it, but he's not a massive standout. And it's the same when he was in Knives Out. It's like he's just kind of there. But he's good when he's like the lead or, or like yeah. one of the main characters. Yeah, I get what you mean. I love and... him in Atlanta. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever watched that, the one with Donald Glover. And Zazzy Beats. There's like it's like an interesting show where like every episode, well not every episode, but quite a few of them just follow like one character goes off on their own. And the ones of him in the lead are always pretty good. There's one episode where Lakeith Stanfield stays in this like weird mansion and it's owned by like a reclusive millionaire or an old millionaire or something. It's like a really rundown mansion. And it's basically Donald Glover playing Michael Jackson, but it's oh, like really? a horror film and it's fucking unreal. It's so weird. He's got like pr- prospects and he's like face like painted white and stuff. I can't remember oh, wow. what it's called, but he's like it's... really scary and weird. Like they're, they're, all their episodes are kind of standalone. I didn't know it was a comedy. Like I thought it was a, a serious looking show. Um... No, no, it's quite, it's pretty funny actually. It's kind of, it's hard to explain. I don't know what you'd compare it to. It's not a sitcom like Friends. It's not like <laughs> jo- jokes every minute or whatever, but it's very good. Oh, if it's not like Friends, what's the fucking point, though? Yeah, the one thing that could improve the show Atlanta is a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> Do they watch Baywatch together? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that Whatever. Means. What? You've never... Oh, yeah, you've never watched Friends, have you? Was Lakeith on a break? Yeah, yeah, and he keeps saying pivot. <laughs> the thing about uh, Donald Glover's character is really good is he always says he doesn't share food. <laughs> How you do it? <laughs> I'll give it a watch. It sounds uh, good. The thing about it is there's the, all the catchphrases that are really iconic. Everyone always tweets about them because they're so funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back to this film that we yeah. were speaking about half an hour ago. So there's two people in this who are, are real life people. So there's Kevin Garnett who they portray, not in a bad way really, but he's a bit obsessed with this diamond or this opal. Mm-hmm. And he basically robs... Howard Ratnick, doesn't he? Just doesn't return his, his opal for ages. Kinda, yeah. Uh, so, and then The weekend, who's like a coke addict dig. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I kind of love that, though, because yeah, they're playing themselves, what, eight years before the film comes out or something? I mean, it's bad timing. It? That's just when the Battle of New York was as well. <laughs> <laughs> so all the characters who survived, <laughs> so Howard Ratnick gets shot as Loki opens the ball. <laughs> Imagine if there was the after credit scene of just all the fucking shitari in the air. Um, 
I read that it wasn't originally written for Kevin Garnett, but oh. he had a real life streak that matched the plot that they'd written. That it was that he has a really good game, then a really bad game, then a really good game. So they thought it fit, and then they loved that a Garnet is a type of gem as well, isn't it? Like, is it? Like a, oh. Yeah, yeah. You can get like a Garnet ring. To say he's not like an actor, he's good in this. I thought. I think they really, both are. I think they're both like, pretty good in it. The only basketball stars I've ever seen in anything are Michael Jordan in uh, Space Jam and LeBron in Space Jam Two. So and fucking Shaquille O'Neal and Shaq, of course. All sorry. of these films, in every of these films. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Shaq's way better than I saw Gun. him uh, on a TikTok recently where he was just in a crowd at a rave and the, <laughs> the caption said, Shaq has finished with basketball and he's just out here like a real person in the wild. <laughs> he's at <laughs> he's a rave. Massive. He's like nine foot tall. Imagine he, raving yeah. with that guy. I think it was a rave or like a gig or something. Can you imagine having to stand behind him? They're like oh at least 10 rows of people can't see anything because he's in front of them. When I was at um, Heart Life, I had a guy in front of me when I was watching Dave who was massive. Like, and I was like, fucking cow. He was he's really annoying, pissing me Tall people shouldn't be allowed out. But we're, the thing is, we're both like, I mean, kind of tall. You're taller than me. Tall to average. You're like, uh, average to tall, I guess. What are you, like, like 6'1"? Yeah, just about. But we I'm must f- annoy people. I'm not tall. I'm 5'11". I'm not like... I'm not fucking huge. That's taller than like a lot of people though. But yeah, I like the fact that the celebrities that are in this, first of all, it's kind of weird, but they kind of make this New York in 2012 seem very lived in. And mm-hmm. the fact that they just do not give a shit about showing themselves in a good light, that the weekend is not portrayed well he, at all. Yeah, he, that's what I read in the trivia as well, was that he based his performance on what a shithead he was in 2012. That was like, he really? was like his own words, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking massive now. He's had such a good last year. He did, like, the Super Bowl. And back then, he's, like, performing in, like, a nightclub, isn't he? He's not, like, a a household name and stuff. Did you know that his latest album, you know, the one with, like, Blinding Lights and all those songs, one of the producers is the guy that did the music on this film. It was, like, a concept album where he was, like, a character and stuff. Like, all the music videos are, like, quite similar. And he said it was, like, massively inspired by working on this film. Which I think is pretty cool. What's the album called again, sorry? I think it's called After Hours. It's a good album. It's got some good songs. I'll listen to that. Mm. Uh, It's got quite a lot of those, like, spacey 80s style bits on it. You know, a lot of the backing music is quite similar to some of the stuff in this. It's cool. You should should watch the videos. He's, like, basically playing like a gangster and getting, like, beaten up and shit. (laughs) Kind of similar to this, I guess. The music in this is is fucking amazing as well. Like, the whole way through, it's just Mm. so good. Who else is in this, like, as a main character? There's... His girlfriend. His girlfriend. She's quite a big part of it, isn't she? Julia Fox. She's fucking great in this, I thought. She's yeah. really good. She is um, good. Considering she's not really an actor either, is she? I think it said she's a socialite. <laughs> That's the interesting thing of this. It's a lot of people playing quite similar to what they actually are in real life, I guess. Yeah. I, I can imagine probably a lot of the people that he just like walks past and stuff. Because you don't really see many of these, other than the big names that you that we've already spoken about that are cameos and stuff. You don't really see any of these people in other films, do you? No. That's what makes it seem kind of like a it does, real, it feels authentic. horrible world. Yeah, very authentic. And I love the gangster actors. But, but yeah, Julia Fox is great as the girlfriend character. Obviously, that masturbation scene always makes me laugh. I told you about that old couple who they were like... <laughs> Is this 1917? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's even worse, the, like watching the film back and it fucking starts with a title card that says 2012 New York and they're like, oh, is this 1917? In all fairness, they walked in maybe during that first scene with Howard in the shop where he's like shouting. So they, they missed the start bit where they, they had the title and everything. So even, even still, then, you'd be like, fucking this iPhone. Is, <laughs> yeah, this isn't World War One. Yeah, it's a period piece, but it's not a period piece set 93 years ago or whatever. <laughs> I'm hoping, because realistically we're gonna get older and the time's gonna move on you think we're gonna get i, I don't know but nostalgia is like kind of stopped at the 80s really like so stranger things and stuff like mm. loads of tv shows and films are always set in the 80s i never see a film set in 2011 or something yeah it's quite random isn't it i mean i guess they did it probably mostly for the kevin garnett stuff that must have been why they say it at that time but quite weird that you feel a bit nostalgic seeing like how instagram used to look (laughs) yeah like slightly older than our current technology i don't know a poster for the amazing spider-man and stuff like we're our generation are gonna start getting nostalgic for that era quite soon i reckon yeah nostalgic big fucking money as well isn't it i remember thinking it was even weird seeing like ladybird because that's technically a period thing set in like 90 whatever it is but yeah that's quite like quite cool enough that it's kind of creeping up to when we were younger and stuff get more films set in 2006 so 2007 like like the main characters come out of seeing click at the cinema yeah they're they're text on their blackberry uh, about how good click was there probably are films set in that time. You just might not yeah. realise it as much. It yeah, doesn't sure. look as jarringly different as like the 70s or 80s. How do you think that The Weeknd compares to Vanilla Ice in terms of a, a singer, a pop star cameo in a, in a film? I'm going to say this about That's My Boy. That's the one thing that has over this, is that <laughs> Vanilla Ice's part is way funnier than The Weeknd's uh, kind of sad cocaine bit yeah. in this. He punches I, Adam Sandler though, doesn't he? He does punch Adam Sandler. So. I, I still prefer Vanilla Ice because he hits that bong and then like they go out clubbing. I think so he's good. got more dimension. <laughs> he's got he's got different sides to him because at first he's an antagonist and then he's a friend. Uncle Vanny, yeah, he has a character arc, and he's really he's liked. got lore as well, hasn't he? There's like talk of the <laughs> the origins and stuff, the backstory. It's a bit stronger. <laughs> what a <laughs> we keep doing this. We keep. We're going to have people who are listening to this who've never listened to any of our other episodes. Yeah, because this is what you do. You reference, you backdate it, you backlog it, and then people are like, fucking hell, that sounds sick. I need to go back and listen to that. God, I need to listen to them drunk talking about, that's my boy. Um, Two hours. Worth a visit, I would say. Did you know that the auction manager on the phone in this is Tilda Swinton? Is it? I didn't know that. That's that's quite good. Credited as well. It's pretty good. A few years ago, that would have been Jonathan Loughran. <laughs> I'm trying to look like a, what else I have in my notes. I wrote, I hate being with you. I hate looking at you. And then I wrote, it's me to Coneheads. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a note that says there's a gross old man at the betting shop. I think this is the guy at the end when uh, Julia is putting on the bet. Mm. And then there's like a rich old man that like fancies her. He's quite a good character. He's quite funny. He's really weird. But my note says gross old man at betting shop. Oi, pad. <laughs> I think that's how he says iPad. <laughs> Boy pet. <laughs> I love just watching Adam Sandler getting beaten up in this film. Like he gets beaten up quite a few times and he's always like, ah, ah. <laughs> so yeah. like hitting him. He's and a proper then, pathetic character, isn't it? Yeah. After he gets thrown in the fountain and he comes back and he's like got all like tissue shoved up his nose. He's like, I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucking and send everyone home. I don't want to work today. I'm so fucked up. That's it's what I really like. So I- sad. I've got a note on that scene where it's like he's basically like so childish 
you know mm. considering this is like he's dealing with all of these gangsters and stuff he's so out of his depth and he's just saying like i hate this it's literally like throwing a tantrum julia's kind of the same isn't she Because she's i mean she's the smarter character i suppose but like she's also got that sort of i guess because she is a socialite and stuff you kind of think there's not really much to her but she kind of plays everyone off and she's the one that gets out at the end of all the money, basically. I like the fact that you expect her to be the, the girlfriend who doesn't really care about him just after money or, or whatever. But then she just does seem like she does actually genuinely like him and where she's like, you've got me, I'm, I'm here for you. And then at, from there on, I think that their relationship's really interesting and it I is. really like it because she's obviously a lot younger and... And usually we'd be like, uh, that's disgusting. But it fucking works here because his character's so sleazy. And there he's is basically a, he's basically yeah. a sugar daddy, but like he can't provide. He can't <laughs> he's like prov- the worst yeah. sugar daddy ever. But she's got that, you know, big apartment in the cent- center of New York. Like that would be worth millions, probably. You know, she's got all the jewelry and stuff, but then you see she's also like around the weekend and stuff. So she's just playing it smart. But you could kind of buy that she likes Howard, but at the same time, there's like a thing like, is she just playing him and stuff? She but that's like, him, yeah. I think that's more like your perception of it rather than what yeah. actually gets shown as well. That's the subtext again. It's, it is pretty interesting. Yeah, I'd have said like, oh, you don't think that she does, but then it's shown that she actually does like him, like mm. near the end, or like they are like they have got a connection in some way, and the fact that everyone in his life like hates him and she's the only one who stands by him like at all. I think that's a really interesting character dynamic, and it's just it's just fucking good. Definitely, I've got a note that says we should probably also get tattoos on our bum of an Adam Sandler character name. Who would you get if you had to choose any of them? Uh, Shiki Mokowitz. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd definitely get the, what's the sexy one from Airheads uh, Collier? Oh yeah, Pip. Pip. That's good, because you could say it's something else. You say it's I'd like, get... to remind you to always take the Pip out of like a <laughs> plum. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always, yeah, because whenever I'm eating my plums naked, I like stare <laughs> at my own ass in the mirror and I'm like, oh God, yeah, I need to remember to get rid of the pip. pip. I don't want to choke on it. <laughs> no, I was going to get, I was going to get a tattoo in a love heart that says Pip's number two fan. And then okay. you get one saying Pip's number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Hubie. You could get like the same text and everything as what she's got with Howie. It wouldn't even need to change much. Like literally oh, got, two letters. How much would you pay me to get Hubie tattooed on my ass in the oh, Netflix family? <laughs> oh, it'd be really funny, but for the rest of your life, you'd have to explain it to anyone who sees your ass. And you'd have to be like, have you seen Hubie Halloween? <laughs> have you seen Hubie Halloween? Have you listened to the Sandler pit? It's on Spotify and Podbean. Oh. If you scan the well, QR codes on my other butt cheek, it will take you straight <laughs> to our podcast to a link tree. <laughs> that would be a real power move, getting it. <laughs> a QR code to my own podcast. And then over time, it slowly like fades, <laughs> keeps sending people to the wrong things. <laughs> when you're at the beach and your wire friends. <laughs> There's very much little else I, I really need to say. Like, it's just a really good film. And what do you think of the ending where he just gets shot in the face, like really unceremoniously? It's sudden, isn't it? But it kind of just yeah. fits with everything else. Like, it's just another thing that happens, isn't it? Is it weird? You kind of get a feeling of relief when he gets shot. You're like, yeah, it's over. It's over. <laughs> we can breathe like there's, there's no more of this ridiculous nightmare that he lives. Like, it's mm. just over. And it, and it happens. Like, it's not even the main villain. It's just a henchman just fuck off and shoots him. I love it. I think it's a great ending. It is signposted. You see that that henchman's the one that's getting really mm. fucked off with him. 
Arno kind of, even though he's sweating and they're trapped in that weird little like airlock in the jewelry shop, he's um that guy. Arno can keep his cool, but like that one henchman is like getting really so pissed angry. Up. It's like the final time of him having the upper hand and letting it fucking mm. slip again. Because yeah. he could have let him go and, I don't know, he, he could have saved himself quite easily, probably, in some way, but he just has to fucking push it every time. That's the most exhausting part of it, is just seeing him be a fucking idiot. Like, that yeah. auction scene's just horrible because you're like, just fucking take it. Stop nodding at that guy. Take the 200 or whatever. I, I've got a note here saying this, this is getting on my nerves. Because he keeps on getting things from other people, like... He gets Kevin Garnett's series ring or whatever they're called and pawns it in and mm. adds all of these extra things so that he can get more money. You know, he's saying, oh, yeah, I'll give you it back by Friday and stuff. You're like, he's never going to do that. Try to remember all the things that he owes people, what he owes and, and stuff. It's, so, it's exhausting. This film is exhausting. Chaotic. It is very chaotic. And it looks beautiful, isn't it? All shot 35 millimeter. And it's just, just a great looking film as well as a, a great mm. acting film. Everything about it just works for me. It feels very like, it's like they're inspired by definitely like Scorsese's films and stuff, doesn't it? It feels very like kind of Taxi Driver, but also the reverse of it. Because that's all about him being lonely. And this is like, this guy's never fucking alone, is he? There's always someone pestering him. Yeah, you're right. Like you just want a moment of him being alone in this and he's never alone. Is there a scene of him alone? Yeah, the one bit where he's in the cupboard, wanking. <laughs> but even then he's not alone. He's still in the room with someone. Like, he can't be alone. Or on alone. his phone. Yeah. Do you know that Adam Sandler's wearing fake teeth in this? And there's yeah, a fake I, mole? I thought it right at the start, because his teeth are huge. Like, he never closes his mouth in this. But I wasn't too sure. I didn't want to, like, be like, oh, God, he looks like a rabbit. But he's definitely got something going on. Because he, he looks quite different in this. The more you look at him, you're like, that's not the same guy that's Doesn't in Hubie like Halloween. Yeah, and like, even because he has a mole in real life, I think, on his face. But in this, he has like a more prominent one. And do you know this is Adam Sandler's first live action role in a film uh, that went theatrical since Pixels? Like, yeah. that's insane. Fucking yeah. mad. Do you reckon that after this... Adam Sandler's going to have like a big, like, is he going to be in more of these indie films or is it going to be another like 20 year gap like it was with like Punch Drunk Love? Uh, stories. It makes it feel more special when he just does like one every eight years and he crams in like a ridiculous six in between or something like that. But um, I definitely, I think we've said it before and I'll say it again, like I definitely want to see him doing like a crime show on HBO or something like that. Yeah. I think I a TV series, he could easily do something similar, similar to like The Night of or like a Mayor of Easttown type show. Not even as a main character or whatever, but surely he could get in something like that. So many big actors are moving to TV now. Exactly. That's like Just whether it clashes, clashes um, with Netflix or whatever, but he should he should do it. It'd be so good. I think we should go on to the Sandler scale. How did you do this week? Not bad considering this is like a prestige film that's like kind of serious. <laughs> I got five out of nine which is, it's all right. Got a bingo at an hour and 22 minutes in. So mine was product placement, which was all the jewellery and stuff. Like they mentioned Rolex, all of that sort of stuff quite often. Mm-hmm. Nice property. I ticked it and I've put underneath it, light up race car bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> you see his flat and stuff, his apartment, and it's it's nice, but it's all there's also a lot of like tackiness, which I think is a big part yeah. of this whole film. He's like, a tacky guy. Yeah. yeah, he's wearing all these watches that are like worth thousands but they also all look quite horrible on him like he doesn't look cool 
Yeah, so I waited till they were at the house because I was like, that looks like the family have kind of managed to balance out how tacky he is by having a quite nice house. Having said mm. that, later on you see it and there's like a hot tub in the middle of a living room, I think. <laughs> well, a bit questionable. That's great. My tick was urine, which is when the kid has to go to the toilet and he's like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to do a number one. But I think he does end up shitting. Yeah, hour and 22 minutes. Also got Shouting Sandler, which is just constant through this film. I think that was the first one I got like minutes in when he's on the phone. Gibberish. He does a funny voice after he gets punched in the throat. He's like, <laughs> something like that. He's usual, <laughs> but it's not him just like crossing his eyes and doing something mad. There's actually yeah. a reason for it. So quite nice. Uh, I didn't get violent kids. Got a bit close sometimes with that one, but the kids are mostly not violent. Didn't get a fart joke. Didn't get Pepsi, which kind of surprised me. I thought we might have been a Pepsi guy. But yeah, no sign of Pepsi. And I didn't get hitting balls that I can think of. It gets whacked uh, in the face, whacked in the hits, stomach constantly. He gets I think, hit so much in the face. Yeah, I don't think he gets it in the balls much. His balls come out relatively unscathed. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about you? How did you do on your sound scale? Uh, annoyingly, I got, I think, the most I could get without getting a line. So I never oh. got a line. I got five out of nine. So my five that I got were racist jokes. They do quite a lot of jokes and lines about Jewish people and black people. I think yeah. like a lot. Outdated reference. I think they, they I can't remember the specific, but they definitely. Furby? Things. Furby, yeah. We didn't even mention that. The, that'll definitely be the cover as well. And oh, yeah. It's a great the, visual bit, isn't it? Yeah, there's loads of tacky stuff like Michael Jackson as a crucifix. And yeah, these horrible Furbies that where their eyes can move and... <laughs> They're just so weird. Yeah. Um, actor that shouldn't be in film. I think I take that for the weekend. So yeah. like, he's not really an actor, but he, it doesn't really work because he should be in the film. He's good at it. He's good. Yeah, maybe not that. I don't know. Maybe I ticked it a bit too early on, but you thought it for Tilda I like Swinton. it. <laughs> Tilda Swinton shouldn't have been in just such a small role. She should have been in a bigger role. Yeah, there that's, you go. That's, that's not bad. Sports team cap, definitely in the crowd. Most of this is about basketball, which mm-hmm. is crazy that it all works so well with what Adam Sandler's done as a comedian. Like he's a Jewish comedian obsessed with basketball. And yeah. then the Safdie brothers are Jewish filmmakers obsessed with basketball. And then they've just made this film, which is a bastardized version of Adam Sandler's comedy character. It's so good. Mm-hmm. They uh, even get in a bit where he's good at sports. He fucking slam dunks it at one point. He slam dunks, he? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then inexplicable love interest uh you could go for adina menzel or julia fox they're both inexplicable for this yeah. character who's a piece of shit yeah that's maybe the one thing that's the most far-fetched in this is that you think how did that woman put up with him long enough to have three kids with him that's true i guess maybe the money and the bullshitting it all makes sense but maybe if also he was like why if he was younger and acting like that it might be a bit more like endearing it's just now that yeah. he's like in his 50s, it's a bit weird. Well, you say that at the start when he's getting his colonoscopy, it says age 48. I did write that down. I was like, are you? <laughs> cool. Add another 10 years, mate. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then what I didn't get, I didn't get court case, annoyingly. Mm. That'd have been good if it had ended on a, a big fucking courtroom Him scene. Where... Taking the stand with like tissue off his nose. <laughs> <laughs> it just ends like that just like on some stupid court case he wins the day and he wins all the money and he lives happily ever after there's no surprisingly ripped dad bod his i looked at his body in all the topless scenes and i was i could not take it yeah so he's not ripped in this which is a shame but i think that works for the character he, sh- he should have had like a bit of a beer belly probably shouldn't he yeah, yeah. imagine pip being this character Fuck it out. He'd have got that would be the Wolf of Wall Street, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, he'd have won. There's no weed in this film 
that I can remember. This film, like, is the opposite of weed. Like, everyone's on coke and everyone's stressed and anxious and having a nightmare. No one's relaxed or calm. So this is the opposite of that. And there's no yeah. cross dice, no Lofren. So you didn't get a bingo? I did not get to bingo, so you win. I think this film's definitely got a lot of the tropes, but refined in a, in a nice way that it feels authentic mm. and not, like, random, that there's, like, a rapping nan somewhere or something like that. So, Luke Thomas, one question mm. left to ask. You've received a shipment. You open it up, there's a fish inside it. Inside the fish is the DVD of Uncut Gems. Mm. It's the Criterion one they've just released. Pretty big oh, deal. Lovely. Are you going to give this film to Kevin Garnett in the hope that it can get him into the Sandler Castle? Or are you going to pawn this film where it'll end up in a shop that then gets shot to shit and buried in the Sandler pit? <laughs> what is your choice? What beautiful images you're, you're presenting me with. This is definitely going in the castle. Not only just the castle, this is the top of the castle for me. This is the best one that we've covered by far. Up there with Meirowitz stories and Punch Drunk Love and the water boy for me like this is really good it takes everything that adam sandler's built for 20 30 years in his comedy career and doesn't even change it that much just gives it a really good script and he just delivers so well like his performance i can't understate how good he is in this and how much of an outrage it was that joaquin won the oscar he didn't even get nominated it should have been oscars 2020 or whatever the fuck it was it should have been Adam Sandler. (laughs) It should have been movie, first of all. But it should have been Adam Sandler and Adam Driver up for Best Actor for this and then for Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix winning still pisses me off because those two were just way better. It was a good Um, performance, though. We've said this is Adam Sandler playing an Adam Sandler character. Can you reward that? Yes, I can reward that. Rather than Joaquin Dan States. My biggest hope after this is that I, I wanted Adam Sandler to carry on making comedy films, obviously, but I would like him to focus on doing like this or a TV show or something where he's flexing that drama again and mm-hmm. playing like another grotesque, awful character that lives in a nightmare world because it, it's just so good. And yeah, I can't get enough of this. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's got to be in the Sandler castle. I think definitely this time re-watching it. At the same time, like I can see what, it was that I didn't enjoy about it. There is still like, I feel like if someone said to me they didn't like this film, I wouldn't fight them on it because it isn't the most palatable film. It is quite uncomfortable to watch and whatever. And in their basic form of films, like entertainment in it. And like, this is so unsettling and weird. If you signed up for like a gangster film, you wouldn't expect something that's going to give you like an anxiety attack or whatever. But at the same time, like you can't deny so much. This is so like, well made as you say good performance and it is just interesting and it's it is a nice change to see a film like this on this podcast it's almost as uncomfortable as Coneheads I think that I would probably not say it's like one of my favorites just on like a base enjoyment level but it's definitely close to the top just in like terms of quality and there's no denying this film is on par with Ridiculous Six at least no, I would, I would definitely Same say merit. It's, it's just in a different class, isn't it? It's I'd say like it is comparable to like how I felt about Meyerowitz stories. So I was like, yeah, it's a, it is a great film that if we weren't doing it for the podcast, I don't think I ever would have watched it again. And I don't know how often I could ever like rewatch this film. But oh, yeah, I would be tempted to go back to it, I think, probably, but like not for quite a long time, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely in the castle. And it makes such a nice change to be watching something that feels like fault and effort and love was put into it. <laughs> I would... We never get much love, do we? 
<laughs> no love no. is ever put into these. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but yeah, very solid film. It is an uncut gem. Joker's still better though. What are we going to do now? Whenever we watch a serious uh, Sandler or a Sadler, we play a little game. It's not really a game where we just start riffing about how we could make these films more like Adam Sandler's lame comedies in a section we like to call Make Mine Madison. Um, where we make the fart house into art house. <laughs> the art house into fart house, <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> well, that's up for debate. No, I'm joking. We, make, we make the fart house into shart house. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to make Uncut Gems into a Happy Madison, I don't, I don't want to say masterpiece. So I came up with three. Two are just not even ideas, uh, and then I'll, I'll tell you my third one. One of them I, I was called Fountain Boy. It was going to be exactly the same film, but it's all set in a fountain, and then he gets punched <laughs> out of the fountain in one scene, and then he just spends the rest of the time in the fountain, and he lives in it. <laughs> <laughs> like the the whole drama is that the New York like city department don't want him to live in this fountain. Like when David Blaine lived in that box. Exactly like that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Got an idea. <laughs> it was like one of those. I watched this really late, and then I was watching the scene where he's in the fountain, and I went said out loud. I went fountain boy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's not even an idea. I've really thought about it more than just the title. You have the um, cheek to say Dan Aykroyd was taking cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> My next idea is uh, Uncone Gems. <laughs> it's exactly the same film, but it's set on uh, the planet, uh, whatever. Remulac the or whatever it was called. Remulac. <laughs> <laughs> and it's him like, don't worry, I'm going to get your money by tomorrow. I'm going to get your money by tomorrow. And someone's like, you better get your money for right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Stop talking about fucking conus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the only other human that it's David Spade, like aged up, <laughs> still alive. But my idea was that's my gem. So oh. Howie Ratner is a young 12-year-old boy uh, at school. Do you remember at school when there was those kind of wheeler dealer kids who'd sell soft drinks out of yeah. their jackets? So he's doing all that, and then this hot teacher comes, and then they make love, and then she gets arrested. And then years later, he had had a son, and now he's at works on the Diamond District, and he's really down on his luck. Then his son comes into town, played by Andy Samberg, and he's a really successful diamond dealer who is like a millionaire. So Howie then tries to rejoin his son. So his son is this really suave businessman and Howie's like a down and out gambling addict drunk. And then a uh, hilarity ensues. I mean, it sounds like a film I've seen already. Really? <laughs> I, I, I think this is a totally original concept. <laughs> I mean, I would watch it. <laughs> That's my jam. There's a perfect role for Vanilla Ice in there somewhere. <laughs> Vanilla Ice is exactly the same as The Weeknd in this. <laughs> but he's performing at karaoke bars or something i'd love it if it's exactly the same like that cool nightclub but he's, he's there like i he's there like stop, no, stop. listen <laughs> and then that julia fox is trying to kiss him and he's like stop collaborate <laughs> <laughs> cocaine and listen what is it he says chopping mcs like a pound of bacon <laughs> that'd be really good and instead of kevin garnett it's got to be it's got to be shack yeah That'd be good. I think yeah. there's, there's something in all this there. 
there's something there. The thing is, this film is actually only An a few... comedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Uncut Gems is only a few notches away from turning into one of these films. All you need yeah. is to get rid of the Safdie brothers and chuck in Dennis Dugan. Exactly. You get Dennis Dugan behind the, the camera. You make it look like garbage. And then uh, it's exactly the same as any of his other ones. And then you just bring in like Jonathan Loughran instead of Lakeith Stanhope. No, it'd be like Arno. Instead of him, you'd have like John Turturro doing it. Like trying oh, yeah. to hunt him down. Yeah. That could still be quite good. He could still uh, be menacing as well. His ex-wife is played by himself. Oh yeah, definitely. It's actually a <laughs> now, secret. Howie! <laughs> Howie, I don't know what you're doing now. <laughs> oh god. That, That'd be rubbish. It would. I would still probably put it in the castle though. I would have uh, liked it if there was more of a cameo like Kevin James in this film. I don't know. Just one of them. They could probably have just chucked in one of them. Like Jonathan Loughran is in Punch from Love. Yeah. I suppose it could be good if, like, Chris Rock was in it as himself. Chris Rock. <laughs> one of Imagine one of Adam Sandler's friends playing themselves, but Adam but Sandler's that is, still a character. But it'd be exactly like his character in Top 5. Yeah, that'd be perfect. He's in there oh, trying no. to, like, buy a ring for a premiere or something. Oh, God. And then Jerry Seinfeld's there as well. <laughs> I lost my wallet. <laughs> Howie, I need some money. <laughs> Oh my god, I'd hate that. Have you got anything else about this? Anything no. Else no. no, I want to oh. hear yours. <laughs> All right, well, strap Mine's in. barely an idea. Mine is called The Love Stone. Oh, um, no. So, right, the film opens with a flashback to Renaissance France. We see people crowding in the streets and gushing over a newly revealed piece of art by Leonardo da Vinci. It shows an angelic and beautiful man wearing a big diamond ring. An announcer says that Jacques Ducoq is here the inspiration for the art. And then Nick Swardson gets revealed and he's got crazy bent teeth, sunken eyes and a huge nose. He looks disgusting. So his character is called Jack My Cock. Jacques Ducoq. And in, <laughs> and, but in the picture, he looks beautiful, but in real life, he's really ugly. So it gets revealed that this ring that he's got has a gem in it that like makes people love you and believe everything you say. So you can kind of like hypnotise people with this ring. Okay. Right, we cut to modern day. Adam Sanders in it. He's going to be a very similar character to Howie, but his name's Gavin Rotisserie. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up. Oh no, Gavin Rotisserie. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I didn't realize there's a lot of chicken stuff in this. So I think it's like maybe the ring is seen as like the golden hen or something. I don't know. Is that even a phrase? Golden goose. Um, the golden hen. <laughs> Got the golden hen. Gavin Rotisserie. Gavin Rotisserie, Adam Sandler. He's a hapless salesman, all the same. Um, all of his latest products have failed. You see, like, all of these different things that he's got. One of these is like he bought a something he believed was a Bitcoin, but then his kids see it and they're like, that's a fidget spinner. So it's not even digital, it's just a fidget spinner that he got told <laughs> was a Bitcoin. I thought this was a those Bitcoins. I'm gonna make him big on crypto. He's like, have you seen these futuristic cryptocurrencies? He's got a fidget spinner. <laughs> it's the future, I'm telling you. <laughs> you could imagine it, right? Um, I can. And his business partner is played by Tim Meadows. He's called Greg Elbow. Um, he's got a good... <laughs> How do you come up with these character names? They're so fucking <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's got a good feeling about an item that he tracked down, and it turns out to be the Love Stone. And um, you've got Nick Swardson again. He's playing like the great, great, great grandson of Jacques Ducoq. I don't know what he goes by now. Maybe Richard Jack Chicken. Cock. Richard Chicken. Um, <laughs> Please stop. Dick Chicken. <laughs> Dick Chicken. He's called Dick and Chicken. 
He runs a um, chicken restaurant. <laughs> I hate this. The whole plot is basically that um, Adam Sandler gets this ring and he accidentally loans it to like a villain who te- wants to take over the world by becoming like an evil president. So it's maybe like, I was thinking Christopher McDonald, you know, sh- uh, Shooter McGavin. That's an easy I love. I love that guy, yeah. As an egomaniac that wants to be a president and he's using a magic mm. ring to get there. I think there's something in that. And my last note says that Rob Schneider cameos as the singer The Weeknd. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Hang on, let me get back to this president. The- Isn't that the villain in Wonder Woman 84? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a bit like that. The yeah. Wish Stone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's- oh, it's- because president. I, I was trying to think of a film it was similar to, and the only thing I could think of was like Shallow How, like changing how someone sees you. But yeah, it is the villain from Wonder Woman. But I think maybe a bit Why more not? believable. Is it gonna be <laughs> is it gonna be a Trump parallel again, or is it gonna be nah, because they love Trump. Yeah. I think it's gonna be Joe Biden. It's gonna be like an old man. <laughs> no, it's like... Barack Obama, like really likable guy, but they're all like he's a, he's horrible. <laughs> he's an horrible guy. This guy is manipulating the world. Can't you see? It's Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I was thinking. I think it's going to be distancing itself from real world politics. Maybe this yeah. guy's just the guy's just evil. You don't want any meaning in any of these films. Or... We'll have something <laughs> that like you know. There's all this chicken imagery in this film. What's going on with all the chicken imagery? What is Gavin Richardson? The guy wants to become president. He wants to outlaw chickens. He wants the world to be oh. vegan. And they're like, we gotta eat chicken wings. It's like sponsored by KFC or something. I don't know. It's a weird world of this film. What did you call? Uh, what did you? What did you call him again? Uh, bloody uh, Nick Swanson's character, Dick Wing. Or uh, he was called Dick Chicken. But like Dick his, Chicken. His ancestor was Jacques Ducoc. Yeah, like Jacques Ducoc. Tim Meadows was Greg Elbow. <laughs> I don't know why. Have you got yeah. anyone else in this who's going to be in the, the film? I haven't thought of much else. Who it, plays his wife? I didn't mention he had a wife. Um, Does he not have one? I think he should probably have one, shouldn't he? She hates him until he gets the love stone and she likes him for one scene. And that's, there's a lot of jokes oh, in that. That's it. I don't know who... Who do you minds. think it could be? Who's a pop... Uh, be nice. Drew Barrymore came back. No, Drew Barrymore wouldn't do this one. She would not. This is, no, this is, this is definitely her. a Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> this is no, this is even worse. This is like that time that Kate Beckinsale was in Click. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. We'll bring Kate back and Beckinsale back. It's Hayley Atwell. <laughs> That's a really good shout. You know, like a an attractive wife who definitely would never be like romantically involved with Adam Sandler and has yeah. no chemistry with him. Good casting. And she's called Henrietta Rotisserie. Hen for short. <laughs> I can see in your eyes that there's a smile there. The people I do love this. I love this because this is is coming from nowhere. This chicken thing. (laughs) You just really leaning into it. I didn't even think of it when I was writing up this nightmare piece of shit. But now his name is Richard Chicken (laughs) and Gavin. No, I didn't have that written down. I just thought of it. And what was what's his name called? The ancestor. What Jacques Ducoc? No, not Jacques Ducoc. Fucking Cock. No, Tim Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. uh, Greg Elbow. Greg El- <laughs> I guess that could be like your elbow is the equivalent to a chicken's wing. <laughs> oh my God. Can we stop? <laughs> no, I want to hear more of this insight into your horrible mind. So there's a cameo as well at the end that Kevin James plays the Colonel. Oh, yeah. Colonel yeah. Sanders, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that makes sense. And he gets Who assassinated else? like JFK. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe he's... Maybe he's the the president at the start of the film is the Colonel Sanders, played by Kevin James, and he gets assassinated by Shooter McGavin. Who then so this will be, be the, the second time Kevin James has played president on screen. 
he did so good in that. So we'll have him as Colonel Sanders, President of the United States of America. I'm actually tired. <laughs> you really, that really tired me out. So um, Peter Dante's in it as well. Who does he play? Himself. Hot Wing. <laughs> he plays Hot Wing in the advert for uh, KFC. It's just him dancing. Who's that, Peter Dante? Yeah. Oh, we don't want him in it. Okay, yeah, he's, all right, he's not in it. It's Jared Sandler plays Young Wing. I would love Jared Sandler in one of these kind of films. And there's a drug dealer called Nugget in it as well, <laughs> uh, played by Jack Black. <laughs> Arguably the least Nugget-looking person ever. Like He's a big guy. Like You wouldn't call him Nugget. You'd call him fucking full chicken. <laughs> liver. He's called chicken liver. <laughs> chicken livers. Chick we, livers. <laughs> Chick Sanders. I don't know. We need I to hate move on. this. Please, can we stop? <laughs> oh, my God. This has been a very, <laughs> very misfired skit. And by the way, all the cast in it, uh, everyone else in the film is a Muppet, who you haven't mentioned already. Uh, I haven't mentioned either that it's animated and they're all actually just chickens as well. Like Chicken Run. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that part. The claymation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, God. I fucking hate everything about that and I hate that you started reasonable and then you've leaned into this chicken joke and you say it started reasonable but Hadley and I did the bitch you revealing a picture of Nick Swanson oh exactly classic stuff who would play Da Vinci as well? That's the last thing. Uh, probably uh, Vanilla Ice in dual oh, roles. I'm <laughs> saying that'd be so good. When it comes to the modern day part and they're all like, it's the ancestor of Jacques Ducoq. Vanilla Ice would also be there as, I don't know, like... The ancestor of Da Vinci. Yeah. <laughs> as himself. I think when we say the C word from now on, instead of having a frog sound, I'm going to make it a um, chicken. What? <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> right. What are we doing next week? Next week, we are watching the film, I believe, that doesn't have Adam Sandler involved even in the slightest, called The Wrong Missy. Is that right? Yeah, hell yeah. I think it's a happy Madison, so he would have produced it, right? He'd have probably got some money for it. Yeah. Luke Terry said to me, we need to think of something easy and quick. <laughs> <laughs> so Netflix, we're back on Netflix, and yeah, we're going to watch The Wrong Missy with uh, David Spade. A film I've never seen. It's got a strong 5.7 on IMDb. Um, It's another Netflix original. The tagline is, there's no one texting her now. Oh, right. Okay. If you want to get in touch with the show, (laughs) (laughs) you can email us, thesadlerpit at gmail.com, or you can find our Instagram or Twitter at thesadlerpit. We're also on Facebook, but we never update that. Mm Mm-hmm. I would like to say a massive thank you to Joe Tyrone, who makes our music. It is stunning stuff. It's not as good as The weekend, though, is it? Not quite. Yeah, you call him The Weekday. <laughs> That's quite good. Thank you as well to Luke Terry for editing together all these episodes. One day we'll do a raw recording that's under three hours. One oh, day. Fucking wish. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I ask for in life. Uh, it's a big thank you also to you, Luke Thomas, for your artwork. Can't wait to see that Furby that you've promised. Don't forget, Ooh. and on the at the last minute, just draw like a car with an open boot or something shit and easy like that. That's <laughs> That'd be happen. way harder. That'd be way harder. God, you usually tell me to draw something really hard to draw. You're definitely going to ask me to draw Adam Sandler as a chicken. I mean, the, you've said it. You've said it now. I didn't ask you, but you've said it. So that's your that's you promising. I want to see Adam Sandler with a chicken's body and just his normal head, maybe with a beak. I mean, 
and in the background is the portrait of Jacques Ducoc wearing his big ring. And the is ring he has... also a chicken. <laughs> if he's a chicken, how's he wearing a ring? How are any of them wearing a ring? That's the mad thing. They all wear them as necklaces. <laughs> I don't know. Right, fine. I'll draw a portrait of Jack jacking my cock and then fucking <laughs> a chicken Adam Sandler. You've lost it. Doesn't DU mean off? Duh. I don't know. Maybe. It's like Jack of Cocks. That's one Jack. of the that's a card, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to apologize to Dan Ak- the estate of Dan Aykroyd for assuming that he's a cocaine addict, and I want to apologize to Army Hammer's estate if he is not in fact a massive cannibal. We're a comedy podcast and we're just going to keep making jokes. We're just uh, two boys. We're just two silly boys making silly, silly jokes. Eating nuggets. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Let's end this. We're done. We're finished. Say your little Please. bit then. Come back next week when we're going to be watching The Wrong Missing. Until then, it's been a very happy Sandler bye from me and a very happy Sandler bye from him. Don't you dare do a clucking like a chicken. I've had a clucking great time. <laughs> I quit, I quit. <laughs> oh shit, I'm gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad, I'm so fucked up. <laughs>